Take your sermon notes out. Somebody say, come Holy Spirit. Say that, come Holy Spirit. Come Holy Spirit. Say it again, come Holy Spirit. Because I'm going to challenge you really heavy, and uh, you need to receive this. Uh, this is a summation. We're talking about armoring up and uh, summation. I, you know, when I was uh, just getting out of high school, I knew I was going to be a lawyer and make a lot of money. Who knew I was going to be a lawyer after all? All right, who knew it? I just ended up in this particular uh, pulpit. So my summation in regard to the armor of the Lord, this is thick. This is really thick. You better, you know, I don't want you to buckle your seatbelts. I want you to be shaken up a little bit, all right? So uh, get, get ready to receive this. Uh, you know, and, and, and here's, here's part of this. And it's part of my problems even when I, even in my teaching of series and trying to teach in completion. And that's what we wanted to do with the armor of the Lord is teach it in, in great completion. Uh, but sometimes people just want the next episode. And I'm not here for your next episode. I want this to be the next level because you know about the armor, but application is different. Does anybody ever put a, anybody remember, they still do this model cars. Anybody ever do that anymore? We used to do it when we were kids. We'd all go and take a dollar and buy a model at, you know, at some store, dollar store, whatever. And we'd take it home. And if you didn't have glue, it just wasn't going to go together. Here's your glue. You ready for the glue? Uh, so armor up if you, goodness, there's so much here. Help me, Holy Spirit. You remember this. Just read this with me. Uh, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Wow. So there's, there's, there's a load here, but just when the day of evil comes, how many have ever had the evil day show up? Anybody experience the evil day? Like when you are under major assault and you know have you been to a place, I know, I know your stories, a lot of your stories, okay? So if you've been to that place where you knew you were not going to be able to make it on your own strength, Amen. all right? Think of that story for a moment, where you were, and what you understand in this is normal stuff is not going to work to get me through it. Playing church, all right? Playing church, pretending church, like coming but not, you know, I'm a part of that church, but I ain't like the rest of those folks. No, I'm saying actually, actually moving forward because you're going to need to be in the Lord and in the power of his might in the evil day. And you don't need to get in the Lord and in the power of his might simply because something bad has happened. You need to be there before the day comes. Anybody understand this? Now, in telling you this, I also want you to understand this truth. Everything that is visible and physical is preceded by that which is invisible and spiritual. Now, that's going to that's gonna cause you to shift just a little bit because we actually believe that what you see is what you get, and that is not the truth. Everything that is physical and vis- visible is preceded by that which is invisible and spiritual. So we need to kind of settle into some truth today. 
Uh, is there anybody who is like me who loves to go out in the park? And I'm not talking about the local little park. I'm talking about I want to go to, old land, uh, to First Landing. I want to walk the trails. Anybody like that? I like the ocean. I, you've heard me say this before. I really like going to the Narrows. I really enjoy that. I like Munden Point. Anybody been to Munden Point Park before? That is so cool. I love it out there. And there's all kinds of trails. And Diana enjoys it like I enjoy it. We kind of have different levels of enjoyment. Like I want to jump in the water. Uh, and have, I want to climb the trees. I want to hang out. By the way, Diana, we are going to get you a three-wheeler. It's called a big wheel. Okay? Uh, so anyway. so My wife really loves going out there, but there's something that happens when we are there differently to her than me. Bugs love her. They adore her. Mosquitoes, you know, whatever you call them, they just love her. I'll say, what are you talking about? I will see them, but for some reason, I don't know, I got some kind of spiritual blood type and uh, that she doesn't have. For whatever reason, she'll get, you know, like 20 bites for every one that I get. And so, uh, so, so the reason that the bugs attack is because that's where they are, okay? They're in your backyard if you'll just go and lay down in the grass. You will find them. That's where they are. So uh, there are some things that you should do. Uh, there, is actually, there is actually this thing called bug repellent. Anybody heard of this? It's really, they call it off. All you have to do is show it to the bugs. They read off and they, no, you have to apply it, okay? You can't just hold the can up. You actually have to spray it on those areas. And if you're like, Diana, if you miss a spot, the bug will find it. So I, I'm very committed to this right now. I mean, we were talking about it yesterday. We we're kind of treating all of her bug wounds. And I thought I had not been a good husband. So I just went on out in the yard. I got some fog. I fogged my entire backyard freshly just to prove to her that I'm going to fight this good fight for her and get those bugs out of here. And I told her, didn't I, baby? I, I told her, I'm also going to get the water hose and get some of that stuff to spray all over my yard. If I have to, I will hire people. I'm not going to let bugs mess with my wife. Sorry. So some of you got the bugs off, but the demons are still all over your house. And it's like we're much more concerned about bugs than we are what the devil is doing with our family and with our children. And I, so I want, that's what we've been addressing on this. You have to understand the work of the enemy, the work of principalities and powers. You need not just to know about this. And I know I'm going to tell you, and some of you, you're just like all tuned in. And some of you are like, oh, here he goes, talking about devils and such like that. Listen, we don't have a problem, really. We don't have a major problem in the church world of people being overly concerned about the demonic and principalities and powers. What we have a problem is, is that you don't believe that they exist. And you pretend as if there is nothing going on and you think that you can figure everything out in the physical and in the natural for what has been attacking your family for generations. It feels like it has a past. They got your name. They got their assignment. And in spite of the fact that the word of God tells us that he gives us power over them and we're supposed to rebuke the enemy and he will flee from us, we think that's all cute. We talk about it around Halloween. That's when we talk about it, but I tell you the enemy is probably busier when you think he's nowhere around. Yeah. 
And that's why we look at the armor of the Lord and we've walked through the belt of truth. I don't want to go back over all of them, but the belt of truth, you have to have truth. A breastplate of righteousness. How many believe that righteousness is a good plan? Anybody believe that? Walking in righteousness, knowing the rightness, knowing the holiness of God and the, the shoes of the gospel of peace. Uh, they're, they're actually, uh, the, the, you're having your feet uh, shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the, the sandals of those, those Roman sandals, are so cool if you study those. They actually have spikes in the bottom of them so that when they're walking up hills, they can stand their ground, all right, in difficult times. Uh, so we talked about that. We talked about the shield of faith heavily, the faith that extinguishes fiery darts. Do you, anybody have faith? Do you have faith? Do you believe? How many believe that God's promises are true? Do you believe that he will never leave you or forsake you? That's a really good place to say, amen, shout it, okay? I'll get back to you, all right? Uh, and that, that he meets your needs, call on him, he will answer you, he'll make your path straight. The helmet of salvation, that helmet of hope. I know whom I have believed and am persuaded. Any old singers in the room besides me know that old hymn? Okay, I'll sing it to you. For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed unto him against that day. It's an old hymn. Okay, some people say, I don't know those old hymns. You might want to go back and grab some because these are, you're not talking about just, just you know, words. We're talking about some of our church fathers who wrote these powerful songs that we believe are irrelevant. So put new melodies if you have to, but don't forget some of these great old words. I have hope, and part of my hope is in my worship. I keep celebrating that I know who I am. I know that I'm saved. I know that I'm delivered. I know that I'm set free. I know that Jesus died for me. I know that his grace is sufficient. I know that nothing can snatch me out of his hands. And then last week, we took up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And we learned that the word word has three words, four words. So it's word, word, and word. There's three words. One, one, one word is graphe, one word is logos, and one word is rhema. Some of you say, I got a Bible. I got five of them on my shelf. So doesn't matter as long as they're on your shelf. I keep a Bible under my pillow at night. Doesn't do you any good. It's like a rabbit's foot, okay? Rabbit's foot didn't, you know, it was good as long as it was on the rabbit. But when they cut it off, the rabbit wasn't happy. I mean, all of that super, uh, you know, psychic silliness, you need to understand that the Bible, the graphe is what is written. Somebody thank God for the written word, okay? That it has been proven over and over, the infallible written word. But if it's just in a book and you don't get the message out of it, that's the logos, the purpose, the reason, the backstory of it all. Get that message inside of you so that you can defeat all of that mess that's going on in your mind. But you also need the third part, and that is rhema. That's a right now word. It's a message for every situation. It is when you apply the word of God, when you know what the word says, and you know that you are victorious through his word. Anybody ever use the word of God to overcome? Anybody do that? So, so that's the word of God. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 2.14, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. You need the sword of the Spirit, which is the 
word of God. The word of God is the sword of the spirit. The spirit uses the word of God. Say that with me. The spirit uses the word of God. You say, well, you know, I just can't, I don't have a memory. You need the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit will bring the word of God back to your remembrance in the middle of battle. Anybody ever had that happen before in your life? So today I want to focus on prayer in the spirit. We're going to talk about power praying. Somebody shout power. So the, the, the scripture says pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. I had a goofy little video I put up. On occasion, I try to get all relevant and put something up on Instagram or something. Now it shows up on the Facebook story too, so I can get even more likes because that's how I validate myself. <laughs> Sarcasm, okay. But I do enjoy going outside. And over the last year, I've really begun to enjoy taking my kayak out. I've enjoyed that a lot. Uh, there's some cool things about it. You can go places where you haven't went before. Some things that you've looked at from a distance, now you get to go exactly to it. I mean, I've, I've been through first landing so many times, but when I kayaked and headed out by the park, uh, I saw areas that I'd never seen before. Uh, we were in uh, Williamsburg, and uh, we went to uh, College Park landing, and there's this little area that's just for people who want to throw some kayaks out. Went out there, slowed down, saw a deer. Deer and I just had a staring contest while he was in the woods, and I was there. He's just lucky I didn't. Anyway, so, uh, oh, I, I love my city friends. I do. I love y'all. I do. I, I'm a country boy, and I know what God created them for. Right? So anyway, but... But to look at and enjoy as well, okay? I, I keep forgetting, I got a multi-denominational crowd here, so. But one of the things that I learned is that there are certain places where the water is not still, and it's because of other traffic. There's a lot of traffic, and so what happens is when a big boat travels really fast in a wake zone rather than a no-wake zone, which I could preach just about being woke and no-woke. No anyway, never mind, but uh, <laughs> Jesus, forgive him. Um, is that the wake begins to come, and if you, are, if you don't face it, it can roll you over, okay? And what you, what you do is when it comes, this is what I've learned. I'm reading a book. This is what I learned, is if I just sit there and let the waves hit me, it will run me all the way to shore and could tip me over. But if I turn my kayak and face them and I power paddle into it, then it's just fun. It's just good times. Water splashes in my face. I'll take some pictures with my phone. I'll FaceTime my wife and say, baby, look what you're missing out here and power paddling. So, uh, it, you know, it requires, in order to do this, it requires confidence. It requires vision. Uh, sometimes you, you just have to be still and take note of the, uh, of the, of the, the way that the water is moving. You know, for me, life can be fun, and you need to get out and enjoy it, but you need to understand as well, and from this lesson, I'm telling you that life is not a playground. Even when you're having fun, you got to pay attention. 
Life is a battleground. It's not always easy. And sometimes you need to face the battle and you need to paddle through it. You need to face what's going on. You need to be clearly aware. That's what Ephesians 6 is telling us. Be aware. But don't just be aware. He says, I want to give you power to put all this armor together and to move through it. Anybody been on vacation lately? Vacation is nice, but even vacation can be a struggle. And then vacation is over, and you find out that life is bittersweet. That means life is bitter, and it's sweet. In Paul's message, he calls us to pay attention to the evil day. The evil day when you're overwhelmed, when all hell breaks loose in your life, when you're under major attack, when your world is being shattered and your dreams seem to be destroyed. Anybody got a praying mama and daddy? Anybody got one? I got a praying mama and daddy. Mama's in heaven. I think she's praying for me right there. But uh, anybody got that? I mean, I was that kid. You know, I was, again, I mentioned Cyrus a minute ago. I was that kid. I mean, I can remember some great falls that I took as a boy. I remember falling over a 20-foot embankment on my bicycle, all right? And my dad was coming down the road. He was coming down the road. It was just this country town, and I just wasn't paying attention and just flipped my bicycle, rolled all the way down, and got a little scuff on my leg and climbed back up and rode on home. You know, I, I remember falling. I was that kid. Mom and dad had to pray for me extra because I was always jumping off of things or jumping on things. I was that bad boy. That was me. All right. I was rather adventurous, but I'm so thankful that my mom and dad prayed for me and sought the Lord. I honestly believe that when I was a child, the enemy tried to kill me many, many, many times, but through prayer, God saved me. I really believe it. And today, I want to talk to you from that perspective of that praying, powerful praying. And specifically, what Ephesians calls it is praying in the Spirit. You need to say it. Praying. Come on, say it out loud. Praying in the Spirit. See, I love prayer, but you need to understand, prayer is not just comforting. Prayer is also warfare. You need to be good at prayer. James chapter 5, verse 14. Is anyone among you sick? Well, let him call for the elders of the church and let, it, let them pray over him. Stop, stop, stop. Is anyone sick? Who should call? Whoever is sick should call. Hey, I'm ready for prayer. I need prayer. Somebody pray for me. Then he goes on. Anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise him up. And if he has committed sins, he will, be con- he will be forgiven. But he goes on and says, confess your trespasses to... So I'm praying and now we're getting down to the root of it. What, my sickness could be connected to sin? I know nobody wants to hear this, but I mean, don't, don't I have enough problem without you telling me I'm a sinner? Well, don't you have enough problems with, and, and you're withholding your confession? I mean, this is power. You would take just about any medication that your doctor gave to you in a bottle, but the Bible says if you'll confess your sins and pray, uh, then you'll be healed. And then he says, James goes on and says, the, uh, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. He says, Confess your sins. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. A lot of people want to pray when they are in spiritual warfare, but they have not prayed when it was business as usual. It's like, I'm ready to pray now, but you don't even know Holy Spirit. 
You see, it's hard to stand strong in the Lord suddenly when you haven't been standing strong with the Lord in the first place. Staying. So he's talking about standing in spiritual prayer. When should you be in spiritual prayer? All the time. All day. How can you be effective and powerful in your life and in your prayer life? This is 1 Thessalonians 5, 17. In the message translation, it says this. Pray all the time. Come on. I want to teach you the scripture. How should you pray? Pray all the time. I love singing a little bit of that uh, total praise today and getting into amen. We have a misappropriation of a word that we use regularly, and it's the word amen. We misappropriate it. We finish our prayers with, in the name of Jesus, amen. And what you think a word says makes a big difference. You think amen is the end. I'm done praying, and I'm going to leave now. You think it's over, when actually... It means, so be it, yes. In fact, it, it is so powerful when you say amen. Sometimes when you say amen, that'll just get you started all over again. It's like you praying for your family, and then you said, amen, so be it, yes, Lord. And you feel Holy Spirit inspiring you, and you start saying, well, God, not only that, and the Holy Spirit will inspire you to pray on a whole new level, and you'll get to that place, and you say, yes, so be it. I'm in agreement with what I just prayed. And you'll say, amen, and the Holy Spirit will inspire you to a new level of prayer until the next thing you know, that prayer that was going to last for 30 seconds lasts for your entire drive to work. 2 Corinthians 1 reads this way. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding. Read the word. That didn't sound resounding to me. All of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. yes. And through Christ, our amen ascends to God for his glory. When we say yes and amen, that glorifies God. It's saying, God, you are not a liar. Your word is true. The enemy is defeated and you heard my prayer and you're answering it. He's commissioned us. He's identified us by his own, by placing the Holy Spirit on our hearts. That's verse 22. As the first installment that guarantees everything he has promised us. So he has given us who? Holy Spirit. He's commissioned us. He has enabled us, given us the ability to stand firm through, by placing Holy Spirit in our hearts as the first installment of all these other things that he's going to do. See... You can't disturb my prayer time. Pastor, did I disturb your prayer time? No. Because basically my prayer time is disturbing our conversation right now. Because I want to be talking and listening to the Lord constantly. Does that make any sense to anyone in the house? I'm talking to him and he's always talking to me. It's a whole new level. I pray on the lawnmower. Anybody pray on the lawnmower? Anybody pray while you're cutting your grass? Anybody cut grass besides me? Am I the only one? I'm talking to the Lord when I'm taking a shower. All right? I, I remember when I was a youth pastor, music director of this church a long, long time ago in the late 80s. And I was, uh, I was at a, a camp meeting in Roanoke and I was taking a shower. And the Lord told me, he said, I'm going to double your youth ministry in a day. He told me that one time, 
And I'll tell you what I did with it. I accepted it and I came home and I told everybody. And I won't go through the entire story, but the Lord doubled my youth ministry group in a day. We went from a dozen to 24 just like that. Just like that. And the Lord gave us all kinds of victory in that moment. So I, I want you to hear what, what you need to embrace right now. I'm talking, I'm talking to the Lord in the shower. And when the TV is on, I'm talking to the Lord. See, prayer needs to be the soundtrack of our life. So at all times we're praying. Paul was confined in prison. You know what he did? He prayed and wrote a big portion of the New Testament. John was on the Isle of Patmos because they put him there to die. And the Bible says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day. And he wrote the entire book of the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So spiritual prayer isn't something you do when the music gets going and the Holy Ghost is in the house. Spiritual prayer is what you do all the time. Praying in the spirit is how you pray in the car, in struggle, at home. You're always praying in the, in the spirit. So let me explain why this is so important. It's so important because the attacks of the enemy are from demons and devils that are intended to neutralize your effectiveness as a part of the kingdom of God. According to the scripture, Demons, some, some people don't believe in what I'm telling you right now, so I just break that lie in Jesus' name. I'm not trying to make you insecure. I'm trying to secure you because you, you have watched so much fantasy in your television programming. You've watched so much, and that can be fun. You don't even believe what is true, okay? So Alice never did go to Wonderland, okay? You understand that. But this is the truth. The truth is that demons are angels that went rogue. They are, they are the spiritual mafia that attacks you in order to cause you to use carnality or things of the flesh to make, to make them quiet. Does that make sense to anybody? Does that make sense? How many have felt an attack and what you really needed was something of the flesh? Is what you believed in order to calm that attack. It's what the enemy does in our lives. When he, in reality, what you're doing is falling in, in, into the, their trap. Let me, let me explain that we are in a world right now that is under massive attack, massive assault from the enemy. Now, when I say the enemy, you think I'm just saying Lucifer, Satan, Beelzebub. No, we are under massive attack from demons and devils. According to the National Survey on Drug Use and Health, 19.7 million American adults, 12 and older, are battling a substance abuse disorder. How many was that? 19.7 million? And almost 74% of adults suffering from a substance use disorder also struggle from alcohol disorder. And 38% of adults have struggled with an illicit drug use disorder. 30 8%. That's like four out of every 10. Further, one out of every adult, eight adults have struggled with both alcohol and drug use disorders at the same time. We're just talking in the United States. 8.5 million American adults have suffered from both a mental health disorder and a substance abuse disorder. Drug abuse and addiction cost American society more than $740 billion 
annually in lost workplace productivity, health care expenses, and crime-related costs. Okay, so notice our response to this, all right? So, so you understand those statistics are heavier than the COVID statistics. Did I get a yes from anybody? All right? So people have been dying from a lot of things for a long time. Observe, observe how we have chosen to respond as a culture. How do we respond to statistics like this? Here's what we do. We legalize it. That's what we do. That's what our culture. The best thing to do is to legalize. And I know some of you are saying, well, what, should we keep throwing people in prison? I'm not saying people need to keep being thrown in prison. But we have this struggle that if we can't control it, we validate it. We keep saying things like, where well, there's nothing wrong with that. This is not old news. Listen to me preach. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 12. All things are lawful for me. This was a problem at the church at Corinth. Everything is lawful, but all things are not helpful. All things are lawful, but I will not be brought under the power of anything. And now it gets really basic. Food is for the stomach, and stomach is for the food, but God will destroy both it and them. The body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Now, you know all the other stuff he talked about in that particular scripture. Can I get a yes from anybody? I know it may be legal to marry somebody of the same sex, but it is not God's plan, and it's not God's will. And basically what it is, it is a validation of brokenness that God could actually heal if people would allow him to heal them. But it is the enemy that has confused our world. Don't surrender your power by canceling your spiritual prayer life. I'm not going to pray about that. What I'll do, I'm not going to read the word about that. I'm not going to answer the Holy Ghost about that. What I'll do is I'll just validate it and I'll declare everything is legal. Baby, because it's legal don't mean it's godly. So remember, you cannot fight spiritual battles with earthly weapons. Here's some, let, me, let me read some of the enemy's playbook to you. Let's invalidate Christianity in this culture. Let's call those who understand spiritual warfare fanatics. And while we're at it, let's validate psychics and Buddhists, the media in general, cultural trends, sexual brokenness, and even demonic messages proclaimed by secular musical artists and one world government activists. I'm just telling you, I'm just reading out the enemy's playbook right now. You understand that? I know you say, no, that's okay. You know, I'm glad you're so brilliant, but I want you to know it was the devil's plan. Did you read while John was on the Isle of Patmos? Did you read what he wrote down about the things that were going to happen? This is it. And it's happened over and over and over again. Honestly, it's like the enemy wants to suck us into idolatry. He wants us to rename poison and just call it lemonade. It doesn't matter what you call it. It will destroy you. It will destroy your children and future generations it is idolatry and it'll destroy your prayer life have you ever read the bible 
Have you ever read it? Have you ever looked into the graphe and read it and got the logos? How many love the prophets? Does anybody love the prophets? Would you allow me to read a little bit of the prophets to you just for a moment? Are you ready? Jeremiah chapter 2. This is what the Lord says. My people have committed two sins. Two. Just two? I've only committed two sins. Yeah. They have forsaken me, the spring of living water, and dug their own cisterns, broken cisterns that cannot hold water. And then he says this in verse 19. Your wickedness will punish you. Your wickedness will punish you. Your backsliding will rebuke you. Consider then and realize how evil and bitter it is for you when you forsake the Lord your God and have no awe of me, declares the Lord, the Lord Almighty. Anybody believe he is holy? Anybody believe he's holy? I said he's holy and he's righteous. He said, long ago you broke off your yoke and tore off your bonds. You said, I will not serve you. Indeed, on every high hill and under every spreading tree, you laid down with a prostitute. No, you lay down as a prostitute. In other words, you join yourself with whatever you choose to join yourself in order that you feel better. Anybody like the anybody still like the prophets? Anybody still like them? I'll read some more. He said in verse 19, you're wicked. No, excuse me, in verse 21. I had planted you like a choice vine of sound and reliable stock. How then did you turn against me into a corrupt wild vine? Although you wash yourself with soda and use an abundance of soap, the stain of your guilt is still before me, declares the sovereign Lord. How can you say, I am not defiled? I have not run under the, after the bales, the idols. See how you have behaved in the valley? Consider what you have done. This is going to get real nasty here. You are a swift she-camel running here and there. A wild donkey accustomed to the desert, sniffing the wind in her craving. In her heat, who can restrain her? Any males that pursue her need not tire themselves. At mating time, they will find her. Do not run until your feet are bare and your throat is dry. But you said, it's no use. I love the foreign gods and I must go after them. What? Not worshiping God in awe and not chasing God is like that? Has anybody ever read the prophets before? You liked them a minute ago until I read them. And then in verse 27, they said to Wood, Wood, you are my father, and to Stone, you gave me birth. They have turned their backs to me and not their faces. Yet when they are in trouble, they say, Come and save us. Kind of sounds like us. I got an amen right there. Yeah. Come and save us. And he says, I don't want to just save you. I want to transform you. I don't want to just come in in those moments. I want to break you of your idolatry. You got to watch yourself, folks. Don't allow your fear of super spirituality leave you with neutral spirituality. You know neutral, don't you? It's that gear in your car that is really no gear at all. It has no power. It just kind of rolls with the pavement. It doesn't go forward or backward. It just goes with the flow. It's Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. I know your deeds. You are neither cold or hot. You're neutral. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you're lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich. I've acquired wealth and do not need a thing. 
but you do not realize that you're wretched and pitiful and poor and blind and naked. You know, our answer to addiction, to sickness, to poverty, to relational issues is overwhelmingly a spiritual one. It's 2 Chronicles 7.14. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Folks, there is an answer, but it is a spiritual one. Stop your life of sin and seek my face, he says. So how do you know that you're walking in and praying in and living in the spirit? It's when your mind is focused in the spirit, when your thoughts become spiritual ones of heaven and not of earth, when your mind is set and you have a spiritual mindset, it's Galatians chapter 5, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh, they're contrary to one another so that you do not do the things you wish. So watch this scripture, walk in the See, some of us read this backwards. Even when I'm preaching right now, you're hearing it backwards. They, they say, if you, if you walk by the flesh, if you, if you don't walk by the flesh, then you will be able to walk by the Spirit. That's a resounding no. You say, well, I'm going to stop walking by the flesh. I'm going to walk. No, no. You have to walk by the Spirit in order to overcome the flesh. So if you're struggling with the flesh, what do I need to do? Walk by the Spirit. So a confession and a statement of repentance is powerful, but the great power is that when we are saved, we receive new birth by the Spirit of God, and He wants to dwell inside of us. Come on. You understand this, right? Like, here's, here's, if you want to practice breathing... Don't dive into the ocean and go to the bottom of it and take a deep breath. Okay, don't do that. You'll be doing the right thing, but you're in the wrong environment. What you need to do, first of all, is begin to walk by the Spirit. Now, that, that's exactly the struggle with our prayer life. You have your head bowed and your hands folded and your eyes are closed and you're speaking lovely words that sound sanctimonious. You're doing the right thing, but in the wrong environment. Christians pray but they do it sometimes in the flesh. They look really spiritual, and they say really wonderfully spiritual words. But listen, just because you say your prayers in the morning and before you eat, how do you get in the right environment? According to the Bible, if you want to pray in the Spirit, you need to walk in the Spirit. Walk into the Spirit. Come on, he's here right now. Come on, somebody say, welcome, Holy Spirit. Come on in, Holy Spirit. The door is open. Set your mind now on things above. Embrace the Spirit of life. You know, we're worshiping God, and the Word of God is powerful, and we're singing, and we experience the Spirit. It's like, what we really knew is need to get on with this, when really what we should do is probably just kind of lean in and lay in the Spirit and experience the presence of God. Seek him. Be consumed with being in his presence. Because when you're in the spirit, hear me, when you are walking in and praying in the spirit, things get easier. Say, I can't overcome this sin right now. 
walk in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit. The Spirit of God is like wind. He blows you where you need to go. He breathes truth into you. Spiritual prayer. Let's talk about it. Spiritual prayer brings a supernatural visitation. Anyone here believe that God will send angels to help us in our time of need? I'd really like to know. How many believe that angels exist on the earth? Anybody believe that? Okay, I'll ask you this. How many believe there's a such thing as a guardian angel? You say, no, that's mystical. No, that's biblical. Okay? There are demons. They are liars. They cause confusion. Their ultimate purpose is to stop the kingdom of God. But we have spiritual, heavenly servants of the Lord who surround us. Come on, just let's welcome the angels in the house right now. Welcome angels of God. Welcome them. Angels. Angels are here. Matthew 18, 10, Jesus says, See that you do not look down on any of these little ones, for I tell you that their angels in heaven always see the face of my Father in heaven. Psalm 91, he commanded his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Remember Daniel, how he had prayed, he had a vision from the Lord, but he needed to know what it meant. So he calls upon the Lord and the, and the angel of the Lord actually shows up and we get a discussion of Mark, Michael, the archangel who is doing battle. Do you remember Peter in Acts chapter 12? He's in prison and he's praying and worshiping and people are praying back. The church is gathering, they're praying and who shows up? In the prison. An angel shows up and releases his bonds and escorts him out the door. Hebrews 11 says this, are not all angels ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation? The angel of the Lord is Psalm 34 encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. I believe you have an angel. I do. And when you die, I don't believe you become angels. I don't believe you get your wings. I'm sorry. That's what you believe. I don't believe that. I believe that you are higher than the angels. That's what the word of God says. I don't want to become an angel. I want to become what God has called me to become. Jesus. In fact, right now, in case you did not understand that, I was uh, listening to a story. Uh, Brother, I love to listen to Sam Rodriguez. Anybody heard of Pastor Sam Rodriguez? Anybody? You can check it out yourself. I mean, it's... Uh, but pastors uh, in California, powerful man of God, and Sam's daughter got sick and ended up in intensive care on a ventilator. And because, you probably know what that sickness was, because of the sickness, nobody could go in and see her. And he was just devastated and you won't let me go and pray for my daughter? So his story was, and I believe him. I mean, he's a powerful man. He said he jumped in his Jeep and headed to the mountains. And when he got to the mountains, he just, all the way there, he's calling on God. And while he's there, he begins praying in the Spirit. The Holy Spirit begins to let him know that he has power to dispatch angels in the Spirit. And so I seek in God... He, he gets this revelation that he has the power to dispatch angels. I mean, he's upset. He's 
talking to God, and the Spirit of God is the one he's praying in the Spirit. He dispatches angels, and in victory, he jumps in his Jeep and heads back towards the hospital. And while he's driving back to the hospital, he gets a phone call, and his cell phone picks it up, and it's his daughter. He doesn't know how his daughter, who's in intensive care, on event can be talking to him, but the fact of the matter is, is that his daughter said, Daddy, I'm getting out. I'm better. I don't know how to tell you, but dad, angels actually walked into the room and the healing was supplied from my body. Now, some of you think I'm just being over-exaggerative, but you're talking to a boy who had third-degree burns fall off of his face because his mommy and his daddy were praying. You're talking to a boy that was set free of headaches that were miserable on one Sunday morning because his daddy anointed him and don't play with me. I know that God is a healer, and I know that we're supposed to be praying differently than we pray. Praying in the Spirit should always be your goal. How do you want to pray? How do you want to pray? That should always be our goal. Pray in the Spirit how? On all kinds of prayers. With what? With all kinds of prayers and requests. Whatever your requests are, you should always be praying in the Spirit. Now, did you read that? That when you're praying, whatever the situation is, how should you pray? Does anybody believe God's Word? Anybody besides me believe God's Word? So in John chapter 6, Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So when Jesus talked, he talked in the spirit. When he spoke, he spoke what the father told him to speak. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. So Jesus is in the spirit. Literally the Holy Spirit rested upon him and in him. Holy Spirit is like heavenly Wi-Fi, brothers and sisters. I mean, some of you are all miserable. I mean, i got to have Wi-Fi at church for people to come to church these days. I mean, you'll, you'll go to certain restaurants because they got good Wi-Fi. I want you to know that you have heavenly Wi-Fi. He is your constant connection. And, and the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 2 and 9, I has not seen nor ear heard nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Notice, praying in the Spirit is opposed to praying in the flesh. I'm going to just recite a few good words. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, he goes on and says, The natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. Some of you, what I'm saying right now is foolishness to you. If you're listening online, you say, I can't hear this. This is foolishness. You're going to make me crazy. You're going to make me a fanatic. Yes, I am. I'm going to make you crazy. I'm going to make you crazy like Holy Ghost crazy. I want you to be so in touch with Holy Spirit that you're always waiting to hear from him, that you're always seeking his face, that every day you're saying, welcome Holy Spirit, first thing in the morning, that you're looking at the word of God and the word of God is exploding before you. Listen, in this day, we don't need an occasional Sunday visitation. In this day, we need a constant spiritual life. We don't need this visiting and exiting. Well, I'm in the spirit, but now I'm out. We don't need this hokey pokey Holy Ghost thing. We need our whole selves in all the time. It's the realm of the spirit. It's a, it's a spiritual mindset, which Paul speaks of in Romans 8. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, 
who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In verse 5, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the thing of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. All right, here we go. So when you pray, Holy Spirit will tell you what to pray. How many believe that? Anybody believe that? How many have ever had the Holy Spirit pray for somebody and you didn't even know you, you didn't even get there to pray? Okay, so have you, when you pray in the Spirit, do you have wisdom? Like, did the promise of God show up in your mouth and you start speaking the promises of God? Anybody like that? Also, in the Spirit, does the Holy Spirit ever give you wisdom regarding something that you are praying about? Anybody have that? How many have ever had visitations and such that while you were praying, you actually had visions from God or words from God? Listen to me. Anybody believe that? Some of us need to get to the next level, need to get to the next level. You're praying, but God wants to take you to a whole different level. And I love praying in the spirit, but sometimes there are actually supernatural events that happen. And when I'm saying that to you, I want you to understand that I got some struggles as well. All right? I, let me just ask this. Where are my Pentecostal family at? Got any Pentecostal folk in the house? Where are you? Wave at me. Only five or six? Really? How many believe in the Holy Spirit? Anybody believe in the outpouring of the Spirit of God? Okay, I thought there were more of us than that. So how many believe that what happened then happens now? Anybody believe in that? I was on a mission trip one day, and I was... Uh, praying for someone that was massively demonized. And I was in a back room because this person went nuts. And so we carried him in the back room. And while we were there, this individual that spoke no English demonically started speaking English to me. Didn't scare me. Because then I knew exactly what I was dealing with. Do you hear what I'm saying? I, I want you to know that you think language is something that you always have to go to school for. But God created language. And God actually sometimes gives language to his people. Can I get a yes from someone? So when I talk about prayer and praying in the spirit, I also struggle a little bit because of my wounds. I have been deeply wounded by false prophets. Now I praise God for it because now I know them. Because people, how many know the enemy is really good at disguising? Anybody know that? He will send people to lie to you, tell you to do wrong things, try to destroy your life. So I'm very, very uh, in tune with false prophets and also people that sometimes worship just to be seen rather than to glorify the Lord. I'm, I'm pretty good at recognizing that. Anybody know what I'm saying? I get pretty good at that. Ah, no, worshiping Jesus just so everybody can see you. You know, I, 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 I know that. I've been around. I've been working at this for a long, long time. So I, this, this is the thing. Just because there are some false prophets doesn't mean that there is not a God who speaks the truth in the Holy Spirit. So don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You understand? Prayer, real prayer, is always led and directed by the Holy Spirit. So you need to submit yourself to the Holy Spirit and allow him to lead you. So I'm telling you this, and I'm wrapping this up. I know, but you worship God for an hour. I can preach for a few minutes, all right? Praying in the Spirit can include supernatural words. Supernatural words. Oh, no. All right. Some of my Episcopalians just got crazy. Okay, stay with me, all right? 
Romans chapter 8, verse 26. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray. Now, we just covered this. But the Spirit will intercede for us through groans that cannot be spoken. Wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. 1 Corinthians 14. Pursue love, desire spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but to God. For no one understands him. However, in the spirit, he speaks mysteries. In 1 Corinthians 14 and 12, since you are zealous for spiritual gifts, let it be for the edification of the church that you seek to excel. Therefore, let him who speaks in a tongue pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my understanding is unfruitful. What is the conclusion then I will pray with the spirit and I will also pray with the understanding I will sing with the spirit but I will also sing with the understanding come on multi-denominational family you know what I'm talking about right now right you see I love these scriptures because it's more than just being healed. It's more than just getting a raise. It is all, all creation is struggling. All of us are desiring to be what God has preordained for us to be. But we have received the Holy Spirit into our lives. And we have, we have the fruits of the Spirit. Although we are saved, though, we long for all of this to be available to you. Now, here's what you don't do. Don't go trying to prove your Holy Ghost by making weird noises. Don't let somebody get in your face and say, say this and say that. Stop it. Just stop that nonsense. And just pray. And seek the Holy Spirit. And receive visions. And receive dreams. And receive prophecies. And receive spiritual prayer languages. Do you understand? Can I help you with this just a little more so you'll understand? We're going to pray. Everybody stand up. We're getting ready to pray. I was in California a few weeks back. We're in the Westlake area. A lot of mountains there. It's not far from Malibu. Lauren and Felicia had some bicycles, and I love to get on a bicycle and ride on occasion. So I thought, I'm going to go ride their bicycle. But it's not like riding in Virginia Beach. Because in Virginia Beach, the only place that you can go to ride on a hill is Mount Trashmore. Westlake, California, in Westlake, uh, which is just outside of L.A., uh, if you're going to ride on a bicycle, you're going to have to go up some hills. Some hills. Like stand up on the bicycle in order that you can push the pedals down. Like getting your heart beat 90 miles an hour, bicycle. Anybody know what I'm talking about? But here's the cool thing is you don't climb the hill always. When you get to the top of the hill, it's like the easiest bike riding that you've ever had in your life. It's like you're accomplishing things and going at rates of speed that you haven't been to before. I'm describing your prayer life. Some of us are struggling so much just to pray for five minutes. And I'm saying the struggle is is that you're trying to go up a hill in the flesh. 
When you decide that you're going to pray in the spirit and you're going to power pray, it's like when you turn your kayak into the wave and you say, that wave is not going to knock me over right now. And the Holy Spirit gives you supernatural power and supernatural words. And it's on the backside of that that you see your family change. You see the enemy defeated and the lies of the enemy that have been destroying you and the addictions and the enslavement. You see it defeated because the power of the Holy Spirit is now leading you in victory and angels begin to show up in your home and in your life and you see the backside of the devil as he runs from your house and the outpouring of the fire of the Holy Spirit as you see victory in your home. Jesus. My favorite Bible stories like that is 2 Chronicles chapter 20. I love 2 Chronicles 20. I love the story of King Jehoshaphat. When the armies of the enemy were against him, he said in verse 10, Here are the people of Amnon, Moab, Mount Seir, whom you have, whom you would not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt. But they turned from them and did not destroy them. Here they are rewarding us by coming to throw us out of your possession which you have given us to inherit. Oh, our God, will you not judge them? For we have no power against this great multitude that is coming against us, nor do we know what to do, but our eyes are upon you. Praise Jesus. I love the spiritual insight here. How many know that you're a child of God? Okay, I know who I am. Shout it, I know who I am. Now look up to heaven and tell him, Father, I know who you are. Tell him, Father, I know who you are. Say it, I know who you are. Some of you, I'm going to lead you through your battle right now. Just go ahead and say it. I don't know what to do, but my eyes are upon you. So really what they're needing is a word from God. That scripture goes on. And he actually gives us a description of the gathering. The Bible says, All Judah with their little ones, their wives, and their children stood before the Lord. And then, I believe it's verse 14, the Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. I said, The Spirit of the Lord came upon Jehaziel. They'd made their request, Spirit of the Lord comes upon Jehaziel. And the Lord said through Jehaziel, he said this, Listen all you of Judah and you inhabitants of Jerusalem and you King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord to you, Do not be afraid, do not be dismayed because of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Anybody ever heard that before? Somebody say it. Look at somebody say, The battle is not yours but it's God. Say it. The battle is not yours. And then he says in verse 16, tomorrow go down against them. And then he says this, they will surely come up at the ascent of Ziz and you will find them at the end of the brook of the wilderness of Jeruel. You will not need to fight in the battle. Position yourself, stand still. Anybody heard this? Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord who is with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Do not fear do not be dismayed tomorrow go out against them for the Lord is with you 
So what happened? They got their kids and their families all together and they all sought the Lord. They worshipped Him. They praised Him. They declared the good things of God. And as they are worshipping in the Spirit and praying and making their requests together, Jehaziel stands up and tells him, don't you be afraid. How many know when God says don't be afraid and you know it's God, the fear has to leave. Anybody that? And don't be dismayed. Don't be worried. The battle is not yours, but it's God. I'm bigger than what is against you. Hallelujah. And then he does this. He says, I'm going to have you go down, but I'm going to tell you where the enemy is. You love that? Aren't you tired of wondering what the enemy is doing? The Holy Spirit wants to tell you where the enemy is. I want you to go down to where the enemy is and don't have, you don't have to fight. I'll do the fighting for you. Why do we power pray? Because that's where the fight is. And then we hear from God. We get a word from God. We declare the word of God. Stand still. Stand firm. So let's pray. Let's seek the Lord. Healing. Increase. Persecution that you're going through. Evangelism in our city. Your children. The next generation, your future, I don't know, all the things that you're struggling against. I just know that God is able. Y'all ready back here? Come on. My spirit life team is coming up. Some of you are sick. I'm calling my spirit life team up to pray. Don't be, hey, don't be shy now. It's already well after one o'clock. All right, so. You know, some things I love about my Spirit Life team is I love who they are. I love that they're not just individuals that pray, but they're counselors and leaders and elders. They're ready to talk to you. Something else, you're going to have a hard time shocking them. They would love to pray for you. John, Linda, this stand right here. Maybe a couple wants to come up and needs prayer. These guys will pray for you together. They'll agree together for you. Do I need to pray together? How many believe we need to agree together? Anybody believe that we ought to agree together? How many believe two or three together agreeing, touching anything, it'll be done? Anybody believe that? So you're in warfare right now. Some of you need to come for prayer. But whatever you do before you leave this building, would you power pray for a few minutes? Would you do that? If you have to do it by going past some of these people and kneeling down around the front. If you need to just sit there at your seat and put your head on the chair in front of you. If you want to agree with somebody that's nearby you and grab their hand and start calling upon the Lord, let's power pray for a few minutes. Let's hear from heaven. Allow the Holy Spirit to lead you in the prayer because you don't know what to say. Let the Holy Spirit direct what you're about to say. How many believe God could do some good work right now? Anybody believe that? You don't know what's happening in your home, what's happening in your family. Let's pray until heaven opens up and the enemy is revealed and defeated. You ready? Come, Holy Spirit. Do what you want to do in this house. Meet the needs of your people. Heal them, deliver them, set them free in the name of Jesus Christ. Somebody shout in the name of Jesus. Shout it in the name of Jesus. 
Forgive us, Lord, for our idolatry. Forgive us for our sin. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, for allowing the enemy to destroy our homes and our families. No more. In Jesus' name. Come quickly. Those of you that need somebody to agree with you, come quickly now. Run to the altar and get an agreement with somebody for prayer. Come now. Don't just stand there. Come now. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Come on right now. Don't allow the enemy to lie to you. I don't need somebody to pray for me. Don't give in to that. Come. The young, the old, whoever you are, come for prayer. (laughs) Hallelujah. Play a song, brother. What are you playing? Everybody start praying. I want you to start agreeing with somebody. Those of you that are in struggle. Husband, would you take your wife by the hand and would you come and agree with some of our prayer workers? A young woman, you're struggling relationally right now. Young woman, you're struggling relationally with someone. I want you to move towards the front and get in agreement with one of my prayer team leaders right now. Right now. Some of you are who are struggling and it is a massive financial need that is greater than you could ever see overcoming I want you to come and join one of my prayer workers now and Father in the name of Jesus we come against the enemy and his lies and his deception somebody agree with me we defeat the enemy now in the name of Jesus we say the devil is a liar Satan we rebuke you in the name of Jesus and we tell you to take your hands off of God's people Father, I pray that you would raise up our expectation. There are things that we have decided. We cannot have deliverance from. We receive it now. In the name of Jesus. I'm going to dismiss you now. I'm going to let you pray for one another. I want you to take your time and pray with one another. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you and give you peace. Be dismissed when you choose. But before... Give me about five minutes of prayer. Five minutes, right where you are. Find somebody, agree with them, begin. I see you all over the house. I want you to power pray together. I want you to ask God for the big things. If you're new, I'm going to catch you out in the foyer in a few minutes. The Lord bless you all. Go in the grace of God. Play.